Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 177 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, and I'm joined by Jill. Jill, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. I was... I was going to ask you if you had a good Thanksgiving, but that would have been a total lie because, as always, we're recording this intro. Indeed, we are. Before everything else. So I'm going to presume I had a good Thanksgiving. Yeah, I'm going to imagine we both had a good Thanksgiving. Everyone listening to this, I hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving because you're actually listening to this after Thanksgiving. So unless you're not in America and then you didn't celebrate Thanksgiving, unless you're in Canada and you celebrated it way earlier than us. Anyway, um, what is today's episode all about? So today's episode is an interview I did with Nicola Yoon, the young adult author of the wildly successful. That's a good way to describe it. <laughs> books, um, everything, everything, and this one is also a star. So she was here in Cleveland a few months ago for an event, um, and I was able to interview her in advance of that. I I can never remember because usually when we're both available, we go to we both go to things, and I cannot remember why I didn't come with you. It was but. August. So I don't know if that helps if you had trips. No, you may have had trips or something. Or I something might have else had trips. Planned. Yeah. Um, yeah, this... sometimes depending on the authors, we just sort of yeah trade off. And... A, this year has been a blur. And B, yeah, it, it is like when some authors come. It's just we like, just do it on our own. Yeah. yeah. It's, that could have been one important. of those situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think when we're interviewing the president of Penguin Publishing. But if you are interested in getting a book recommendation from them i think we still have some time depending on the, if you hear this on monday um, so if you send us an email at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com let us know your age the books you're interested in currently that you're reading and then just like subjects and things that you like and we'll give you some book recommendations when we do that interview uh, by the time this comes out i think we're doing the interview this week so um, yeah don't miss out on that it's a pretty cool opportunity through the penguin hotline our friends at uh, Penguin. They are um, publisher neutral, though, so you won't just get Penguin. Right. Exactly. Recommendations. Yes. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at ProBookNerds. Um, is that everything? Did you give them our email address? Yeah, I just said. Okay. You can email no, us. I, at, I know. I wasn't sure if you actually. I did it like a backwards weird. I had like a weird... blank. Okay. Yeah, I did a weird order. So <laughs> I think that's everything. So I hope you all enjoy this interview that I got to do with the wildly successful Nicola Yoon on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. This is Jill, and today I have with me Nicola Yoon, the number one New York Times bestselling author of Everything, Everything, and her latest book, The Sun is Also a Star, was a National Book Award finalist and appeared on countless best books of the year for 2016, including Amazon, Booklist, Kirkus, Publishers Weekly, and BuzzFeed. Nicola, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you very, very much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Good. So just to kind of start us off, can you give listeners a brief summary of The Sun is Also a Star? Right. Yeah. So The Sun is Also a Star is about a 
poetic boy named Daniel trying to convince a science-minded girl named Natasha to fall in love with him over the course of 12 hours in New York City. And they only have 12 hours because Natasha is being deported or her family is being deported at the end of the day. So um, he tries to use science to woo her. <laughs> it's an interesting way of going about it. So you kind of touched on, you know, this idea of, of her having to leave and, and all that. And you are an author who strongly supports the diversity in books. Right. And obviously that is a very important topic. But what for you personally makes this so important? Um, you know, I mean, it's, you said it, right? So it's usually it's personal, right? So usually when we talk about diversity or immigration, um, we talk about it in these sort of big political ways and policy discussions and headlines. Um, but it isn't really that, or it's not just that, right? It's usually a very personal thing. You know, they always say the um, political is the personal. So in Everything, Everything, Maddie looks the way she does because my little girl looks like that, right? So when I was growing up, I didn't see people that looked like me in books very often. And I didn't want that for my little girl. Um, and so that is why it's so personal, right? You want representation. You want, um, I want my little girl to see herself doing anything. Like she can be the hero and she can slay the dragons and she can be like anything she wants to be. Um, and so that's why it's very important to me because it, it always is personal. So you, you mentioned Everything, Everything, which was your debut novel, correct? Yeah. And it was a tremendous hit <laughs> and became a movie. I mean, it was like the whole big thing. It was kind of crazy. <laughs> what is, I mean, what is that like having your first book just kind of... what? <laughs> I swear to God, I will be 900 years old and I will still be like, what? <laughs> um, so, I mean, like it just won the Teen Choice Award last night. And I was like, oh my this gosh, is, this is... <laughs> That a whole other thing. Um, I mean, it, it's a miracle. It's like it's one of those, and it's because of my little girl. Like I, I always talk about this, but I, I worked in finance for twenty years, and I had this dream that I wanted to be a writer, and I even gone to graduate school for it, and um, I just could not do it. I wasn't pursuing it. I didn't think I could do it. Um, and then I had my little girl, and there's one night when I, I remember very clearly looking at her and thinking. Um, I'm going to tell her that she can be whatever she wants to be one day and, and she should follow her dreams and have a big passion. And I totally was not doing it. Right. And I just, I had that moment and I was like, you know, I'm just going to try. And so the fact that, you know, then I got to take her to the movie set one day, it was just uh, like, I, I remember taking her to the set and like her seeing everything. And I just thought, okay, so now she really understands that you can like make a thing and you can follow your dream and, and be What's happened to me is like extreme. Right. No, for sure. <laughs> but, you know, like it was, it was always for her anyway. Yeah. So, no, but no, it she, did happen. It did so happen. it can happen. <laughs> so it can happen. <laughs> so do you have then advice for, you know, people who want to write and maybe feel like they can't do that? Or it's, it's, you know, maybe if there's people listening who sort of have yeah. that idea and don't yet have the courage to take that leap. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing about it is that it is actually about the leap. So the rest of it will come, like, you know, you will find the time if you want to find the time. Like, I wrote the book from 4 to 6 a.m. over three years, right, because I still had a full-time job. Um, so if you want it, you will find the time. But the hardest part actually is to make the leap, right, and it's to get up that first morning and you look at the blank page and... Um, and the only thing I will say is I promise you, you just power through it. 
just like doubt is part of the process just do it just like fill it up fill up the notebook or or you know if you I write by hand so I always say fill up the notebook but you know turn on the computer and get to the end um it is like the single hardest part is like that first draft just but just do it um and then everything else you can figure out like you can revise it and you can get friends to read it and um you can write another book and another book but you have to start is there a particular reason why you handwrite all of your first drafts? Um, like nothing except for it. That is just how I've always no. done it. And now I'm sort of stuck. <laughs> That's <laughs> a perfectly it. legitimate reason. Yeah. <laughs> and I still get up super early, even though writing is now my full-time job. Um, and I think it's just because it's very quiet at four. And you're half asleep anyway. So all <laughs> the weird things that occur to you, you just put down. Like you're not editing yourself, you know? That's... That's an interesting point. Right. Yeah. I mean, you just can't. You can't be like, it's not good enough. You're too tired. You're just writing it. It's fine. And then like a day later when I type it in, I'll be like, did I really write that? I don't, I literally will not remember because <laughs> I was so tired. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so um, with Everything Everything, what inspired you to have this character who suffers from, you know, an immunodeficiency disease? Um, so I started writing that book when Penny, my daughter, was four months old. And um, I always talk about this, too. It's like I was a very, very nervous <laughs> new mom. So, like, I really was, like, the mom that's like, oh, you have to wash your hands before you touch the baby. The baby's going to get a cold. The baby's going to eat dirt. And everything was bad about things. Um, and I start, it started from that. It started from me wondering um, what life would be like for me if I had to take care of my little girl, like at 18, the way you take care of an mm -hmm. infant. Mm -hmm. um, and then it flipped and became from the girl's point of view. And I was like, oh, what it, would it life be like for that girl? Um, especially if she like, you know, found a cute boy and right. she like, wanted to push against those boundaries, which is something that teenagers do anyway, right? Like if they want to push against boundaries, this is just sort of an extreme version of it. So without spoiling everything? Yes. <laughs> did you know the ending going I did. in? You did. I knew, right. Like, I knew, it's funny because I never know the ending. Like, like, I didn't know the end of Sun. Like, the Sun is also okay. a star. Um, literally until I wrote it. Like, like four versions of it. Um, but this one, I always knew the end. All right. Strangely. <laughs> And it wasn't, it turned into a movie. You discussed going to the film set. Were you involved in the filmmaking process at all? You know, I got to give notes on the script. Oh, okay. Um, so, which was great because MGM did not have to do that, right? Because <laughs> uh, they usually don't. Right. Um, and then the director and I like, sort of just fell madly in love when we, like, we met. We hit it off. Um, so, I got to give sort of notes that way. Like, we would talk about her vision. I would um, just say what I thought too and it turned out her vision was like just amazing and matched with mine and so I got lucky because it like I've heard stories about this that <laughs> right not yeah lucky. not gone that well <laughs> this is not so I mean I I really did get very lucky with it so with the song is also star you discussed earlier about how you have this character who is at risk of being you know like deported and this is a, obviously a topic that is very timely right now um you know, it's important, I think, for literature to kind of reflect the times that we live in, especially for young adults who may be struggling to understand things. Um, and, you know, reading books kind of helps them. Right. Would you agree with that? Too? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think one of the most, you know, it's hard sometimes when faced with like terrible things in the world. Um, you know, sometimes I feel this. I'm like, I write books. Like, is that important? Um, 
And then I'll go maybe to a signing or something and someone will say, like, your book is really important to me. And I remember how I felt about books when I was a kid and how I still feel about books. Um, books can change the world, right? Books breed empathy. It is hard for you to hate something that you can understand. Like, I defy you to spend 300 pages <laughs> with a character right. and then come out of it going, I don't understand those people and I hate them. Um, I really feel like it's one of the forces for good. Um, so it's one of the reasons I talk about diversity so much, um, you know, because I do think that if you can inhabit someone else's skin and just sort of, you know, pay attention for like 300, 400 pages, then you can start to understand and, and people won't seem so different than you after all. No, that's very true. Um, so moving slightly, yeah. your work has also appeared in, in anthologies, including the recently published Because You Love to Hate Me, yeah. 13 Tales of Villainy. How did you get involved with that project? You know, I met Amory at um, a signing, I think. And um, she just asked me. She's just like, do you want to write it? And she told me the idea, you know, villains. And I was like, I can write a villain story. <laughs> because it's like something that's so different than like, you know, the books that I write. Right. Like, I have ideas. <laughs> so I just, I did it for pure fun. You know, I thought, okay, get to kill people. <laughs> and it's such a bloody story. <laughs> well, yeah, because of course, you know, you were given the challenge of a gender flipped God of War. And I kind yeah. of liked that you switched the name. Right. Yes. Backwards. Yeah, got I got that. <laughs> oh, right away. I got that. <laughs> All right. Yes. So the Aries, you know, yeah, it's backwards. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how did you kind of approach, like when given this challenge, how did you sort of approach it as a writer? You know, it, it's always, always starts with character. And I just wondered what you would like. Maybe you wanted to be the God of War. Like maybe it is not a burden. Um, and maybe there is the reason. I mean, I started with the character and like, what reason is this happening? Um, and then I just love the idea that the God of War was a kid at one point. Right, that's <laughs> uh, true. Right? I mean, yeah. I had to grow up. Um, seriously, I indulged every bloody fantasy <laughs> I ever had when I was writing that story. It's one of my favorites. So do you think you would ever write anything kind of villainous again in the future? Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think so. I mean, because in my own reading, I love sci-fi and fantasy, and I love a good villain. Um, and I think I will. Um but I really, really like writing about love, too. So <laughs> Maybe you need to have, like, about villains falling in love. Cause, right. You know. I do actually have this kind of a weird idea, but we'll talk about it. Okay. But I, get, I think I would get my villain fixed in inside of a love story. There you go. <laughs> See? So on your website, you have an entire section that is for writers, and you have a kind of a collection of quotes. One of them is from um, J.K. Rowling, which is, Read a lot. Reading really helps. Read anything you can get your hands on. I also noticed you listed Stephen King's book on writing, and he gives very similar advice. Yes. So to follow up with that, are there books that you have read that you didn't think you'd like in the beginning or you didn't want to read, and then by the end you're actually really surprised by them? Mm, that is a great <laughs> That is from my co-host Adam. Adam gave me that one. <laughs> I didn't think I would like it, and then I ended up... Um... Well, I mean, I guess I can't think of one that I didn't think I would like because I'm such an open reader. Okay. But I will say that I read a lot of things people don't think that I would read. Okay. Right? So like, I read a lot of paranormal romances. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I totally read a lot of fantasy books. Oh. And, like, if there's vampires and kissing, just give it to me. Um, seriously. And, like, shapeshifters mm -hmm. and, like, all the adult stuff. That's amazing. so much. Um, and, you know, some people make fun of me, but I deny them 
I do not care. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> like, I don't think there's any such thing as a, like, this whole idea of sort of low-brow and high-brow. Correct. Like, there's just, like, the perfect book for you in the moment that you need it. Um, and so I read a lot of those books, and they make me happy. And I've learned a lot about plot and pacing um, and romance, <laughs> or romance writing, even, from um, these books. And more than that, they've just been the perfect book for me. Yeah. Like, at a moment in time where it's like, I just... I really just want to sit in this tub and read about vampires kissing right now. And I'm going to do that. And they've made me completely as happy as reading like The Great Gatsby has made me. Do you have um, any favorite paranormal romances? Um, what did I just read? Oh, God. Oh, oh, oh. So Nalini, Nalini Singh. Okay. She has um, the Psy Changeling series. Um, I love those books. I read them all. Um, and she has another series, um, the Archangel of New York series. Like, there's angels all powerful sure. and also sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I love those. I love those books a lot. So on that note, do you finish books that you don't like? I do not. Life Good. too short. <laughs> Thank you. I agree with that. But some people feel like they have to complete books. But I give them 100 pages because one of my English teachers told me you must. That's good. And I have not let that go. That is a good rule. Yeah. That's a good rule of thumb. Um, I just kind of love that you like paranormal romance. I like I, <laughs> it's the best thing. <laughs> no, we we have, we have talked about romance. We've done romance genre um, episodes before on the podcast, and we definitely have coworkers of mine who also love paranormal romance. Like it's really big right now. Yeah. No, I mean, there's it, it gets deep. <laughs> <laughs> Would you ever write one? You could write a paranormal you romance. Know, my husband keeps telling me that I should. <laughs> And I think I want to, but I don't know, like, what, like, the power would be. Like, what the paranormal... Oh, yeah. There's a bunch of options out there. There's so many things. There are. Um, I mean, my first love probably is vampires, right? Right. Um, You can't go wrong with vampires. (laughs) Because they're going to love you forever. That is true. (laughs) What else is there? That is true. When you put it like that. (laughs) Which is why I never understood, like, the whole, like, sort of Jacob thing with Twilight. I'm like, clearly it's Edward. Okay. I admittedly was a Jacob girl. I'm not going to lie. Don't understand. <laughs> I grew up, like, when it comes to vampires, I grew up in the Anne Rice world, so the sparkly vampire thing just did not work for me. Yeah, but a it. werewolf? Yeah, I, I could go with the werewolf. I just never understood. I was like, he's, like he's dark and broody, and he's going to love you forever, and I'm just like, I'm all in for the vampire. Oh, that is amazing. <laughs> Have you ever read the Discovery Witches series? No. Oh, it's by I? it's by Deborah Harkness. Uh-huh. Um, it's a trilogy. It's for adults, but yeah. there's a vampire who, yes, it's a really I, <laughs> very sexy French vampire. A discovery of witches. <laughs> a Discovery Witches is the first That's one. That's a great title. It is. Yeah. It's a, it's a trilogy. Yeah, okay. You might you should look into that. So at the end of all of our podcasts, we have what we call the Nerd Nine, which are nine sort of lighthearted questions. Don't put too much thought into them. Okay. okay. So the last book, uh, what was the last book you finished reading? Uh, finished reading. Well, I just reread I'll Give You the Sun by Tandy Nelson. And your favorite book of all time? Uh, <laughs> the Little Prince. Good answer. Uh, your favorite place to read? Uh, bed. Or in a tub. A tub. I take it back a tub. <laughs> I'm always nervous about reading in tubs. Like I would get the book all wet. I no? no. Okay. <laughs> what is one place you'd like to travel to that you haven't been to yet? Oh, God. The moon. <laughs> the moon. 
That is the first time I think we've had an answer. That's a good answer, though. Favorite holiday? Uh, Christmas. Cats or dogs? Cats. Yes. Coffee or tea? Coffee? No, tea. It depends. That's okay. No, that's perfectly acceptable. Do you have a favorite food? Sushi. And who's one person, dead or alive, that you would like to have dinner with? Um... No, I want to. I, I've been missing my husband. I want to have dinner with my husband. <laughs> that actually frequently comes up when we yeah. catch authors like yeah. later in a book tour yeah. that, yeah, they want to have it with their spouse. So, finally, what do you hope people take away from reading your books? Um, I don't know. I've, I've been thinking a lot about like how fractured our world seems. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just firmly believe that we all have more in common than we think we do. And we are not that different. And and if you if my book could just make, especially the sun is also a star, just make you like talk to a stranger or just realize a little bit how much more we have in common than we think we do, then that would be good. Just as a place to start. No, that's perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.